We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to the Sooner Sports Podcast, presented by Riverwind and Allstate. Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. Welcome back to the Sooner Sports Podcast. It's been a minute. We didn't have a Friday episode, Toby. I was ill under the weather and then the crazy back and forth to Stillwater. So no excuses, but after, gosh, speaking of road warriors, man, how's your rest schedule after the down and back to Tulsa last night in Bedlam baseball? I, a uh, so- solid nap Good. today. So, uh, you know, that's uh, it's not a lot in my life have I mastered, but the afternoon nap is one of my strengths. And uh, so, yeah, another quality one I was able to knock out today, and I'm, I'm right back on track again. Beautiful. That's all it takes, man, is a little nap. Well, let's reset it. You uh, had a chance to hang out a little bit before we talk softball with the OU Club of Tulsa and then a then a tough one last night in, in uh, Tulsa. By the way, first of all, kudos, OU Club of Tulsa. Awesome people. But uh, we couldn't carry that yeah. good luck over from your, uh, your hanging with them to the field, could we? No, it was not a good night. You know, um, this OU's had a, a midweek issue ever since they moved Braden Carmichael to the weekend. And, uh, you know, that was a, a great move. So Braden Carmichael was their midweek guy until he shut down Arkansas. And that earned him a spot in the weekend rotation, and deservedly so. And he's been very good. Obviously, almost a no-hitter last weekend. Or he he had a no hitter when he left the game through seven innings. I think he's got a six and one record now, so he's been great. But that left uh, a midweek spot open, and it's been a struggle to figure out, you know, how to get that done this year. Uh, they've basically gone by committee every Tuesday or Wednesday since then that they've had a game, and uh, they've had a hard time not walking guys. They out hit Texas Tech a week ago. 
in Amarillo, but lost by 10 runs because of all the free passes, uh, walks and hit batters. And a similar situation last night in Tulsa with OSU. Sooners out hit them, but they lost 7-3 to three in a game they were really never in because of all the walks and uh, and and hit batters. So I, I think uh, I think it was nine walks and three hit batters. And I mean, you give a, a any team, much less one the quality of Oklahoma State, eleven or twelve free guys on base, and uh, that, that's hard to win. So I know it's been frustrating for Skip. There are some guys with electric arms. Um, like Javier Ramos, like Christian Rubeck, certainly Dalton Fowler. And it has just been a struggle this year to get them to consistently throw strikes. When they do, they're nearly unhittable. But um, when they don't, then it usually leads to a big inning for the opposition. So that was the case last night. It was a, it was a game Oklahoma needed to win and uh, didn't get it done. So now that squarely puts them behind the eight ball for these last two conference series, Texas Tech this weekend, then at Baylor, and uh, they need to do something special here to give themselves a shot. I will say uh, the Big 12 in baseball, it gives you some opportunities to have big RPI weekends with how strong this conference is, and Tech is no different coming in this weekend, are they? No, that's right. That's right. Uh, Texas Tech top 10 RPI. Uh, so if you could beat them a couple of times, um, that's going to help you tremendously. Baylor is uh, top 40 RPI, and those will be road games. So if you could beat them a couple of times, that'll do you good. And you've always got that last safety net of the Big 12 tournament, you know, if you could get hot and make a run there. So there is opportunity, but, um, you know, it's – Last night would have helped a lot. Last night uh, would have helped a lot, and these are going to be tough games. There's a reason Texas Tech is ranked as high as they are. Uh, there's a reason road wins count for more, because they're hard to get. So um, they need to do something special. Now, I think what we're going to see is, you know, they've, they've won two of three each of the last two weekends, OU has, against Oklahoma State and at West Virginia. They've won back-to-back conference series here. And we've seen Jason Ruffcorn take on a bigger and bigger role. He went six-plus innings against OSU. He went seven-plus innings against West Virginia. And I think we're going to see him start this weekend against Texas Tech. You saw Jake Bennett pitch last night in relief, and he's been their Saturday starter. And I think that was a pretty good indication that Skip has decided to use Ruffcorn either Friday or Saturday as a starter now, which, you know, he's dynamic and certainly gives you a shot anytime he takes the mound. But uh, it's it's an uphill task they give of themselves, but there is an opportunity. Interesting is we've been sitting here chatting, uh, T-Row. The Big 12 has just unveiled its all-Big 12 softball awards. Patty Gasso, coach of the year. Jocelyn Allo, Player of the Year. Grace Lyons, Defensive Player of the Year. Freshman T.R.A. Jennings, the Freshman of the Year. The only award they didn't take home 
was Pitcher of the Year. Kerry Eberly won that from Oklahoma State. They placed five players on the first team, all Big 12, most of any school, and one of them was a pitcher in Shannon Sale. I mean, absolutely unbelievable. You have three more players that made second team. You had three players on the all Big 12 freshman team. Pretty incredible the run that we've witnessed through uh, Big 12 play for softball this year and winning its ninth straight conference title, man. It's been awesome. Yeah, none of, not, that is not surprising. <laughs> the, the thing that jumps out at me there is uh, the pitcher of the year was not OU, <laughs> and you said there was five first-teamers? Yes. Which means there were four spots that they gave to somebody else. So there's the chip on the shoulder they need uh, going into <laughs> Big 12 tournament. How dare they not give OU all of them? So, no, I mean, it's been a amazing year and a wildly entertaining uh, finish for you up in Stillwater last yeah, year. Yeah, it was great, man. I, I You know, I, I, I've made JT do some heavy lifting on this podcast for us, Toby, so he's going to join us whenever uh, you and I wrap up. But, you know, it was truly one of those environments this week in that, you know, you just – you. You want to see your team perform well, I think is the best way to put it, right? Because if you lose in those types of settings, it's the worst. But when you go in and you win, right, and you're sitting in the crowd and, and you call a home run, and you know, I, I don't know if people know this, I tend to be a little excitable, and all of a sudden every so often there's a, there's a fan that might kind of turn around and give you a look. But it was I'm not I'm saying nothing bad. Oklahoma State, their fans, for as much as they gave it to the the OU players on the field, they were great to me and they were loud. They've cre- they've created a cool environment there, Toby. And get this, there's bracketology for softball, and right now of the seven teams that play softball in the Big Twelve, five of them are projected to make the tournament. So tell me how impressive you think that is. Now, granted, there's. There's three one seeds likely, and there are three teams that are, that are going to host regionals, and I hope three teams that end up having a shot to host a super regional, but I think that's about as high of a percentage as you can get from a league, five of seven making the big dance. I know the SEC is going to get all of them in, but still, that's pretty cool, I think. Yeah, that's fantastic, and, and kudos to the Big 12, you know. I mean, yeah. it, it was um, it was kind of OU and, and Texas there for a while, and Oklahoma State obviously has improved dramatically in recent years with Kenny Gajewski and and uh, for them to potentially get five teams in says that the conference as a whole is on the rise and it's not just Oklahoma anymore or Oklahoma and Texas anymore so that's good and that should be uh, you know a good indication of or hopefully you would think of what the committee is going to think of the Sooners Agreed. do you still think they're going to be the, the number two overall seat well, uh, you know, I, I was pretty adamant whenever you asked me on your radio show, Toby and I do a show on the same station on Sports Talk 1400, and you had asked if if I thought they were going to be the one seed, and I was like, nah, I don't think so. But this college sports madness has them projected as the number one overall seed. So I, I still think that there is there's a lot of bias towards the Pac-12 and the SEC, but you have three teams from the Big 12 right now that are in the top nine of the RPI. Three, Toby. That's incredible to me. Uh, there's four SEC, three Big 12, uh, and I think, what, two Pac-12s that are in the top ten, top nine of the RPI, if I got my math right there. So that's pretty impressive. And Oklahoma won five of the six games they played against those teams that are in the, the top nine of the RPI. So maybe after winning the series against Stillwater, knowing how high their RPI truly is, 
I think that might actually work some wonders for them. I think they could still end up being the one seed, but there is that bias towards the Pac-12 and the SEC. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Hey, I want to throw a curveball at you before I let you get out of here. There's a sneaky, interesting event on the sports calendar that I know you and I are very passionate about and we love to follow. You know what starts next week? The men's golf regionals get underway yes. next weekend. I'm loving Ryan Hibble's team, and I know usually the, the championship is right around the same time as what the, uh, the, the college baseball super regionals, but we're, we're looking good in both men's, especially men's golf, women's golf, not too shabby either, but regionals right around the corner, T-Row. Yeah, no, I mean, this is a national championship caliber team, and they're going to be, uh, I think they're in Albuquerque for the regional. You're right. And, and that's not that's not going to be an issue. I mean, they're going to coast through that and get to the national championships. And then uh, it's going to be a Donnybrook. And uh, I w- it's in Scottsdale this year. Yep. I wish it was a little closer because I love going to that event. And uh, what a, uh, a marathon that is. Uh, because you play, I think it's four uh, stroke play rounds to make the cut to be in the field that uh, the top eight that ends up, you know, going for the match play national championship. And um, it's, it's just fabulously entertaining. And you look at OU Texas and an OSU in the big 12 tournament this year up at Prairie Dunes and how they all finished within a shot of each other. Uh, You know, just those three schools alone, are so competitive and you add in some other really good squads around the country and, and this is going to be fun but they're a veteran team they've got guys like quade cummins and garrett reban patrick welch that have been there before they're not going to be intimidated or nervous about uh being on a big stage like this and i like their chances i like their chances of of at least putting themselves in that match play. And then once you get there, there's a, there's some luck that factors in at that point. But you give yourself a shot at a national championship if you can do that. Love it. Toby, have a great rest of your Wednesday, and we'll uh, talk to you next Tuesday back on the regular schedule, man. See you, Chris Blank. Yeah, and by the way, he mentioned those dates. Toby was dead on with them. The regionals coming up on May 17th, so that is, gosh, Monday. And then the NCAA championship is May 28th to June 2nd. When I said Super Regionals, I meant our essential Super Regionals. I, my, my sports schedule sometimes, date-wise, is so messed up in my head. But good luck to Ryan Hibble's team. We'll see if we can't get him off the, on the pod next week. All right, one of my guys, JT Gasso, hitting coach for the Oklahoma Sooners, off a big weekend for the Sooners, getting us ready for the Big 12 championship. What's up, man? Uh, uh, how's the how's the much. How's the couple of days been? I know that you got a chance to celebrate your wife's birthday and Mother's Day, but had to feel great coming off uh, this team responding the way that they did after some adversity on Friday. Oh, yeah, it was a big, um, just a big weekend for us. Um, played hard, got after it, and um, it was good to take a, a little day, a little day off, and then with family, and we were just ready to go for another week. JT Gasso is in-house hitting coach for the Oklahoma Sooners in his sixth season. OU heading into the Big 12 tournament as the Big 12 champs, ninth time. What was Saturday's experience like for you? And 
knowing that Coach had not been ejected, she was ejected in 16, but it wasn't for arguing a call. I don't think she's been ejected for ages arguing a call. Had you guys ever had a conversation about the pecking order and then who takes over and who coaches third? What's what? I mean, had you what was the preparation like for a moment like that? Yeah, so I mean, we we've practiced that before, where um, I'll be in the third base box um, doing signs, like in practice. Um, so yeah, we had a plan in place for if that ever happened. Um, it's just one of those, you know, emergency only break glass, um, you know, type situations. Gotcha. But um, I mean, we're we're all so on the we're all so much on the same page that when she went out, it was one of those things where it was, you know, we we'll pick you up. The team knew, like, hey no big deal. We got this. Let's do it. And, uh, um, the rest is just kind of history, but yeah, we, I felt, I felt like we were prepared, um, for that situation. Not like saying, Hey, going into bedlam, what's going to get tossed. So, but I know we've, we've talked about it, you know, in the past before. I, uh, you know, it was, it was really, it was interesting to me because in those situations, you, you have to be careful because you, you you feel like you've really been wronged uh, from an umpiring perspective, but nobody wants to get fined. And then, JT, you step into a situation where immediately for you and Coach Rocha, there's controversy right away whenever we didn't know if a girl had been hit or if, or if the, the handle of the bat had been hit or if she had swung. I mean, that, that was intense for a stretch there. Yeah, and that's, you know, one of the things is um, – we're we're very respectful to umpires and you know how we are and it's yeah. not like anything that we're gonna you know get outside of the game um and get outside of of that moment right there but you know one of the things that um we were just saying was hey you know in that that situation we're just trying to fight for for, for our team and fight for what we think is right and um like i said it, it never got um like too animated or outside of it. Right. We were just, just kind of blown away by, um, no, we won't get into that. But okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I understand it because I was blown away too. But with that in mind, how about the way the two freshmen stepped up this week? And I'm talking specifically Nicole May and Jada Coleman. Now, obviously, JT, you work with, with the hitters, but I did want to ask about Nicole first, knowing that she can be a position player if called upon. We've seen her play first this year. But how impressive was that to see whenever you have two vets that struggle a bit and then a true freshman comes in, in what, you know, to, to Oklahoma State's credit, they had created a pretty hostile environment for those three days. Yeah, and... You know, one of the things that I just we know we knew coming in that every I feel like every single person on the roster is a gamer, and they're going to do um, what they need to do to to win a game, and they're going to be in that mindset, um, and we're just going to compete, and that's all we are asking is for for our, uh, for our athletes to compete. And you know, Jada stepped up, Nicole May stepped up, uh, and you just it didn't seem like they were phased by anything and that's awesome that's what you want when you're competing um and it just we'll we'll just see how we can ride that uh kind of going forward but maybe that's just something that they needed uh and to to put in their uh tool bag for their uh careers you know coach uh used a great analogy on jada when she was watching her play and i know that jt just from the recruitment of her and bringing her to and getting her to come to oklahoma uh, she's been on the radar for quite a while. Uh, and she said when she watched her play that it was like 
she was like a gnat, like a fly, where it always seemed like she was around something and, and she was always bothering the other team and making something happen. Beyond just what Jada Coleman brings at the plate, we see the fist pumps, we see the attitude, we see the adrenaline. JT, can you begin to quantify that extra it that she brings from an energy and a fiery perspective for this team? Yeah, that's, you know, she, that that was the one thing that she's always been really good at is playing, you know, Uh, just the way that she was brought up, the way that she does things, she's very passionate. And that's what you want when, when you're recruiting players is, you know, the, obviously you want the physical things, but the intangibles, you can't teach passion. You can't give, you can't, it's not something that you can just give as a gift to somebody for Christmas, you know? So um, the fact that, that she brings it every day, she brings it to practice. She is, uh, she's hollering during practice, getting behind her teammates. And, and like I said, kind of before, it's just the competition part is just, uh, we try and always bring it uh, in practices and, and let them kind of uh, live in that world. So um, it was no surprise whenever she was doing what she's doing, because that's the way she was. Uh, that's the way she's been built. Yeah, uh, JT Gasso is our guest. I, I I brought this up from the Baylor game. I was going back because Baylor had a wild situation where their catcher got pulled in the middle of a pitch, and I was trying to go back to see what TV was saying about it. And when I was watching it, Michelle Smith said something that has really resonated with me. I try to learn, you know, JT. I'm not very smart, but I try to learn all the time about this sport and your approach. Are you doing? Are your are the girls doing anything different with their two strike approach? Because it just seems as if they're so smart with understanding the strike zone. I know we had a couple of cases this weekend, but you know, there's we're heading into the postseason, and there's only a handful of regulars that have even double digit strikeouts on the season, which is crazy to me. What's kind of been the focus on the two strike approach for this team? Yeah, well, um, I think it's just kind of it's it's one of those things where it just varies. But one of the big things we talk about is uh, you know the the best way to hit with two strikes is don't hit with two strikes. So if you can put the ball, uh, if you can leverage some counts and put the ball uh, in play when when you need to, you know, good things will happen. But uh, you know that's the thing about when they get with two strikes, they we've done a lot of work on the. Uh, on the uh, front end about just getting them ready for what they're going to see. And they, they kind of know where people will go and, and what to do when they're in those two strike situations. So um, I, I just, the, the main thing though, kind of going back to like the Jada pieces, the competitiveness, like I'm telling you, I know you saw it. It mm-hmm. was just like, everyone had that locked in like, look, and it's been there like all year. It's just sometimes, you know, it's just, you don't, Maybe it's, you know, uh, there's not as many people in the stands or it's a neutral site or, you know, whatever. But that locked-in look is always there with these these hitters. Interesting because you do shift the lineup up a bit this weekend. Jada moved back up to the leadoff spot where she had actually started the season. And Tiari Jennings, it's kind of uh, interesting. You know, she, she hits a little bit of a slump. I think she was just like one for nine, one for ten this weekend. But that one hit is still a laser over the right center field wall. And she's still batting cleanup. JT, the mindset when you see someone that goes through some struggles, but knowing, hey, it's there, you're going to work through it. It just it's It's this sport, right? It's a sport of failure. And it's continuing to stay focused for someone like Tiari, right? 
Yeah, um, and that's the thing is when you're working with a, a game that is just all about, um, you know, averages, it's just about what, you know, how do you handle when, like, there's going to be stretches, like you said, when you're above your average, there's going to be stretches where you're below it. And, you know, and, like, I think of a sport like basketball, if a guy, if Steph Curry shoots four threes or, you know, he misses ten three-pointers in a row, he's not going to question his whole um, season up to that point or his career or his existence. He's just going to keep shooting. So it's one of those things, and, and that's just, you know, they obviously get way more shots off than you do at bats. But it's like kind of the same thing where, you know, that, that happens in, in everything. So you got to just stay locked in. That was the main message to her was just keep staying locked in. You you got this. You keep working. And then she came up big oh. um, in, that, in that third game. So that's, uh, that's, that's just something that she's going to learn and, and that all our – of our hitters have gone through is those stretches where you're not at your best, um, where you don't feel at your best, or maybe the outcomes aren't what you want. But how do you stay locked into your, um, you know, your foundations and just continue to be productive uh, in different ways? Yeah, uh, two more, and I'll let you get out of here, JT. First, I, I feel like for people that follow baseball and then you know they jump into di- to, to softball. I don't think we truly grasp just how important the bottom of the lineup is. And I feel like over the last few years, that nine hole has become more and more important. I thought Oklahoma State had a really good nine hole hitter that was hitting like 450. Uh, we've been putting Nicole Mendez down there. I think that's a really good spot, JT. Can you kind of lay out the importance of that bottom of the lineup, specifically that nine hole and turning it over to the top? Uh, the top? Yeah. So one of the things that, you know, we, we've kind of uh, learned over the years is that your leadoff has the lead, or at least in softball, the kind of the, the average is that your leadoff has a significantly less, uh, less amount of opportunities with runners in scoring position, but even on base. Or sorry, 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 with runners at scoring position. So it's one of those things where we totally emphasize just through the lineup of like what a quality at bat is in our. Um, it doesn't matter if you're one or nine, like you got to find a way to one, just get on base. Cause one of the things is you get on base, um, you're going to have more opportunity to score runs, right? Pretty, pretty simple. Uh, but it's, it's one of those things where if we can just get our lead off um, or the top of the lineup with more RBI opportunities and more runners in scoring position, um, then you're just going to see good things happen where you don't even have to get a hit to score runs like exactly what happened with Jana John. She had first and second uh, with no outs and she hits a ground ball over the right side, moves them to second and third, yep. eliminates a double play. Yep. And then we end up scoring those two runs. So, and it was huge. So it was like, how are you being effective without like through different ways of just straight up getting a hit, you know? Yeah. And then finally, and I think, uh, this is the question that people will ask a lot, and I know that you don't take a lot of credit for it, though you should. This team has set a record for the most home runs in Oklahoma Sooner softball history by a team. You know, Jossie is sitting there with 26. She hit one this weekend with pretty epic little bat flip that she claimed she didn't even realize she had done. Um, what, what is, what, have you been able to equate it to anything, JT? What is it that has allowed this team to be so successful when it comes to the long ball? Is there... I mean, I mean, is there something you point to and say, yeah, that's it? Or is this just uh, this team and this lineup being so deep? No, I just, 
one of the things that we really focused on these past couple of years is like more of like a holistic approach. And it just sounds kind of weird, but I mean, mentally, physically, technically, like just through all aspects of the game, like, can you understand what it is that you're trying to do? And like, what, like, what is your goal of, of your at bat and like of just hitting in general? And just one of the things you'll, you'll hear all of hitters say is we're just trying to hit the ball hard. When you hit the ball hard, you know, good things happen. And then they, they, you know, there's a little bit more behind that too with you know, bat path and, um, and the pitch coming in and, you know, there's a bunch of things, but I think um, this team's done a really good job of embracing just their overall development and understanding what they can do and um, like how to fix things where the analogy is, um, you know, you're your own car and you're going to know when your engine light goes off and you need to know how to fix those things that are, that's going on with, with what you're doing. Cause at the end of the day, I'm just a guy who may see things, but at the end of the day, they're the ones who are feeling it, right. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that are feeling it and getting that input. So, um, so yeah, they've done a really good job of, um, of understanding themselves and just, um, putting a clear-cut goal into what they're trying to do. All right, thanks so much for joining us for the Sooner Sports Podcast. Again, I feel healthy. I'm getting better. Life is good. Let's go win a Big 12 championship and a tournament coming up this weekend for softball. Let's win a series against Texas Tech. Let's get excited about golf. And then we'll uh, we'll see about postseason for both softball and baseball. Regionals, we're looking like a, a setup where the Sooners are going to play f- at home in both the regionals and the super regionals, fingers crossed. But I have a big announcement to make. Here you go. This is for softball fans and people who like to be entertained. Aaron Miller is going to become a regular on our podcast starting on Friday. You heard that. No more sick days. As Bill Belichick once taught us, no days off. Aaron Miller every Friday and every Monday. Maybe that she might be part of our game plan on Tuesdays, kind of seeing how the schedule shapes shapes up. But as we kick off the postseason for softball, ESPN personality, two-time national champion, captain of the Sooner softball team, Aaron Miller becomes a regular part of the Sooner Sports Podcast during the postseason starting on Friday. Until then, everyone have a great midweek. Until next time, Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Riverwind, home to a luxury hotel, fine dining, and never-ending rewards. Riverwind is still the one. And Allstate, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review however you listen. The preceding has been a Learfield IMG College presentation of the Sooner Sports Network.